What a glorious, glorious morning this has been already. I'm so grateful that you are here to be part of it and to encounter the Lord. What a wonderful prayer time uh, that we have had, inviting us to the truth of prayer that leads us to intimacy with the Father. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the effective power of a prayer life. Marty did a great job with the offertory. Truly, everything centers around the Lord and our obedience to His will and His plan. We can give because we have to, or we can give because we love to. And we give because we love the Lord and we love what God is doing in us and through us and all around us. Amen? Do you bring your Bibles with you? Can I see your Bibles? <clears throat> if you just kind of just hold them up in your hands, if you will, whether it be a phone or, or the actual Word of God in, in hand, in paper with you, praise God for that. In a moment, in a moment, I'll ask you to stand up and read with me in just a moment. But I, I want us to talk today about a topic that is very, very powerful, very, very powerful. And I think it's one of the most uh, undertaught topics in the entire Word of God, and that's the subject of prayer. The life of prayer, not just praying as a segment of our worship, but praying as part of who we are. Because, you know, when you study the life of Jesus, you'll find out that uh, he often, the word often literally, literally means he usually, that means he made a practice of, it means he made it part of his life. To always pray, not just to connect with the Father, but to model something for us believers so we can understand the, the value and the, and the beauty of a relationship with the Father. And what happened as a byproduct of that. But we have oftentimes turned prayers into a traditional, you know, is how we pray. We talk about the mechanics of prayer. Today I'm not going to talk about the mechanics of prayer. Very little of that. I'm going to be talking about what is prayer. How should we pray and see God doing mighty things in your life and in my life? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So not just a typical tradition, and now I laid me down to sleep. I, you know, we all know the, the, the words of, uh, of our Lord's Prayer mentioned in Luke and Matthew. One little boy <clears throat> was praying the, the, the Lord's Prayer, you know, and, and, uh, and it went like this. Our Father who does art in heaven, Howard is your name. And so... And we made it so like that. It's just so, you know, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, we make it so nonchalant, but prayer is the most awesome thing in our lives. So take your Bible and stand up with me, if you will, as we go to Philippians chapter 4. And, uh, and uh, today I'm going to be teaching more than preaching. And I, I encourage you to take some notes because I think we're going to be talking about some things that have been a big part of my life and I hope they are part of your life. But we're in the book of Philippians chapter 4. And we'll be reading verses 4 through 8. 4 through 8. Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> 4 through 8. This is the command to the believer. To each one of us individually. Then we're going to shift to the book of Acts. And we're going to see the same command given to the church. How the church longed to have that type of a command. And so watch this. Uh, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Last time I checked in the Greek, the word always literally means always. So rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say again, rejoice. 
Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. In a moment, we'll find out what that means. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition or supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And normally we stop here, right? We say, peace of God will guard your heart and mind. We're going to see what that means in just a moment. Then we stop. But then what about the mind? What about the mind that prays? Well, look in verse 8. The Bible says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell, pray, get into Dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. Do you notice? He said, be thankful. Pray. Go into supplication, which, which means passionate cries before the Lord. And then he gives, us, he gives us what the mind is to be like when we enter into prayer. And sandwiched between our prayer request and our thanksgiving and the way our mind functions is a gift from God. What is it? It's the peace of God. It's the peace of God. Right? So God is calling every one of us individually to pray in that former fashion. We're going to learn about that a little bit more. Now in Acts chapter 4... In Acts chapter 4, the church has been persecuted and the church has been sought after because now we're seeing miracles and signs and wonders, a mighty advancement of the will of God. And, uh, and, and the people and, and the disciples want to pray. They want to learn to pray because they knew what the Spirit of God is asking them to do is to stay focused because they're about to get into cities and face paganism. They're about to go into facing ideologies that need to be overcome. They're about to go and face challenges that need them to be focused. They're about to go and advance the kingdom of God through the strategies of God. And God said, the only way, watch this now, the only way you're going to receive these things is through prayer. So verse 27 said, For in fact in the city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch your, stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. When they had prayed, the place shook. Something happened. And the Bible said the Spirit of God filled them and filled that place. So God, take your word today and imprint it in our minds. God, I pray that it will rest in our hearts and become life to our feet and our pathway that we may live it out in power and glory. That signs and wonders and miracles will follow us as we go in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. The topic of prayer is one of the most dearest topics to my heart. I literally love the concept of praying, but not just praying, but establishing a life of prayer 
and, and learning to live it out and be able to communicate that with believers. And I, I do want to say this to you. I think it's one of the most undertaught topic in, in pulpit life today, the life of prayer. You know, most of us, when we pray, we pray as if God doesn't want to. Y'all all right? We pray, God, please. God, if you will. God, as if God doesn't want to bless us. We beg God. We plead with God. We, we, we act like, you know, he doesn't want to change things. He doesn't want to do things. And, and, and we end up literally walking away from the Lord if he doesn't do things the way we think he ought to do it. So our prayer time is for kind of wish list. You know, God, I hope, I hope you do this. Would you do this for me, God? And our prayer time becomes more of a begging, pleading with God as if God doesn't want to. But I want you to know something this morning. God is on your side. God is for you. God is there with you. God wants to touch you, be around you, work through you. Let me give you some definitions that I, if you can get some of them, write some of these things down. Prayer is the pathway that leads to God's peace, God's purpose, God's power, and above all, this is what prayer, God's presence. Prayer is the pathway that leads to God's peace, God's will, God's power, and above all, God's presence. Prayer ushers you into the presence of God. Did you know that prayer between the believer and their Lord is the only practice that we will have in our lives that the devil cannot interfere with? Prayer is the only channel that you and I have as believers that Satan cannot interfere with. Why? Because when we pray in the Spirit of God, it means the Spirit carries our petitions to the Father. And the Spirit is, is what, what allows our words to rest around the throne of God. Prayer is a true intimate prayer with the Father, is, is a channel that God gives us that the enemy cannot interfere with. What an awesome privilege. Did you know that prayer is our privilege on earth as human beings to connect with the supernatural presence of God? Isn't that awesome? It's not a wish list kind of back and forth. Prayer is a privilege that every believer has on earth that allows communication between human beings and the supernatural world of God. In prayer, we discover His will, His desire, we hear His voice, we understand His passion. And we receive his perfect peace. In prayer, we understand his will, his desires, we hear his voice, and we receive his peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, God will keep in perfect peace those whose mind stays on him. So here's the background for this passages that we've just read. In the book of Philippians, you know, Paul recognizes that, that the church at Philippi is very intimate for him. He loves the church at Philippi. You can almost see his pastoral heart just being poured out into the church of Philippi. As a matter of fact, the first three verses before we got to verse 4, Paul says, my beloved church, you read verse 1, is my beloved people. Did you know that love is only felt and touched through our lives? God is invisible, but our love makes him visible. 
God is invisible, but my love for you, your love for me, our love for one another and for the world that needs to experience an unconditional love of God, it makes the love of God very visible to the earth. And Paul, he loves the church at Philippi. And the church at Philippi was not like the church at Corinth. They struggled with behavior and and other things. It's not like Corinth that struggled with doctrine. The church at Philippi was pretty much in alignment with the will of God and what Paul was teaching doctrinally wise and in every way. But there was two young ladies there in the church at Philippi and he names them in verses in verse 1 and following. You don't have to turn there. But in in, in Philippians chapter uh, 4 and verse 2, he says, I urge or implore Yodia, and I also implore and urge Sintichi to agree in the Lord. What had happened in there, Paul is writing as a precursor to what he's teaching about prayer. And he said, you know, when I was in Acts chapter 16, you remember when he was in, in, in Philippi and he was trying to establish a church in Philippi and he met Lydia because there was not enough men to establish a synagogue you remember we talked in Acts chapter 16 where Paul when he was at Philippi he went by the river he met Lydia and part of our crew there was two ladies Sintichi and Yudia who were part of the church at Philippi and somehow they got into awe with one another now these are two wonderful believers that got into a little conflict with one another that just goes to tell you that even some of the best sometimes can come out of awe with with one another. Are y'all all right? Are you okay? And, and they were not at all doctrinally because normally Paul, when he caught a doctrinal conflict, he taught about it immediately. They were not at all behaviorally like the church at Corinth. They were just maybe over issues that really didn't matter much. And Paul said by conflict, you're destroying the unity of the believers. But he didn't come and say, here's what I want you to do. He says, he says, I implore you, get along with one another. The word implore you is like somebody standing in somebody's face. You know, you're not ugly about it, but you're just standing in their face. He says, look, I, I need you to do this. And I need you to get along with one another. And then he comes back and he says, because if you don't, it's going to hinder prayer. He says in, he says, he says in verse six, if you notice what he said, he says, don't worry about anything. Here's what he's saying. Your conflict is going to create a division. That's what worry is all about. Worry is the division of the mind between that which is of God and that which is not of God. That which is just and that which is not just. That which is right and that which is not right. That's what worry is all about. What the enemy does, he takes away your peace by bringing worry in because your mind is divided right there. And Paul is saying, don't worry, but pray, right? Yodia and Sintichi, don't worry, don't argue, don't fuss. Come together, be united and pray, right? Pray, go into supplication, passionate cries on behalf of one another of the Lord, and then do it with thanksgiving, right? I want to give you a few things about prayer that oftentimes... We don't really take a lot of time to go deep with the content of prayer, but I'm going to do that today. All right? So let's just do that as fast as we can. And I want to, I want to begin by giving you this. First of all, an effective prayer life comes out of the presence of God. It comes out of a communion, a deep communion with the presence of God. Can I tell you there's a cost to prayerlessness? Can I tell you there's a serious cost to prayerlessness. You know, the Bible said in James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. The implication here is that you don't have things because you're prayerless. 
No, I know what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to say, well, are you talking about a wish list, Fadi? Claim it and, 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 and get it and pray it. No, that's not what I'm talking about. This is the Word of God. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. The implication here is lack fills in where prayerlessness abound. You get what I just said? Lack fills in where prayerlessness abound. Let me give you another scripture. Jesus said, pray so you don't enter into temptation. Prayerlessness opens my life and your life to temptation. Are you with me? There's a cost to prayerlessness. Prayerlessness opens my life to temptation. It means when I am not developing a life of prayer, temptation fills in where I'm not praying. So James said, there's, he said, you have not because you ask not. He's not talking about money. He's not talking about things. He's talking, you don't understand the will of God because you're not praying. You don't understand the mind, the desire, the wish, and the plans of God because we're not praying. We don't really have because we don't ask. And lack fills in where prayerlessness exists. And then temptation fills in where, where we are not being prayerful, where we're not developing a life of prayer. And I want you to know, first of all, first, first and foremost, that prayer comes out of a communion with the presence of God. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. And you jot these things down. In, in James chapter 5 and verses 17 and 18. You remember Elijah? Elijah was a man like you and I. Just a man like you and I. He's a prophet, given the gift of prophecy. But here's what it is. And this is powerful. Very powerful. It says in verse 17, Elijah was a, <clears throat> Elijah was a human being as we are. He prayed earnestly, affectionately, effectively that it would not rain. And three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Look at verse 18. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruits. Are y'all awake? Are y'all all right? Come closer, because I want to tell you something. You find the story in 1 Kings chapter 17. That's where it all began. Now, lest you say the prophet, lest you say the prophet, well, he's just a prophet. Well, he begins verse 17 by saying, he's just a man like you and I. He's just a human being like you and I. And he prayed, and watch this now, heaven shuts down for three and a half years. Why? In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, now Elijah, the Tishabite, from, the, from Gilead, the settlers said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these except, say it with me, by, say it with me please, command. Say it again. He said there will be no rain, everything except by my command. Right? Are you with me? Are you all right? Watch this now. This is powerful. So Elijah recognizes that Ahab and Jezebel, they're leading Israel, the northern tribes, and, and they have moved away from the fathers, delivered them out of Egypt, delivered them out of bondage, and now they are worshiping pagan gods. As a matter of fact, Jezebel has become the priestess of Baal, and she's promoting pagan idolatry. And God wants to get the attention of Israel one more time and give them one more chance. And he said, Elijah, you go deliver your word, but I love this. God said, Elijah, I'm going to put power in your words of prayer that what you command will come to pass. What you say, it will come to pass. <laughs> Are y'all okay? 
I just want to tell you, when you come out of the presence of God, you can pray into the power of God, and God releases the power of God where things happen that you would never expect that they will happen through your prayer life. You with me? Matter of fact, when you read chapter 17 and 18, Elijah was not afraid to command. He, said, he prayed. He said, he said, there'll be no rain. It's going to stop for three and a half years. It's going to all be dry. It's going to be parched lands. Nothing's going to happen. And Elijah's prayers affected the destiny of a whole nation. It affected the destiny of the people and their livelihood. It's affected the destiny of people that were disobedient to God. And Elijah said, I am going to pray. And I'm going to ask the Father to honor my prayers. And God shuts heaven for three and a half years. How would you like to pray? Prayers like this. You're not just begging God, would you, could you, Lord? (laughs) But you're praying because you come out of the presence of God. You're coming out of the presence of God. You've heard his voice. You've understood his passion. You see what he sees. You feel what he feels. You know that God is burdened for the people of Israel. God is burdened for you and for your family. And God wants you to have that kind of power in your prayer life. God wants you to have that kind of power in your prayer life. And, and you pray. I, I marvel at the body of Christ that resists the idea of coming into the presence of God, the deep intimate places with the Lord that literally grows our minds and hearts and intimacy with the Father to get to the place where we are representing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Pray, Elijah, and he did. He shuts heaven. And, you know, um, this may sound weird to some of you, but we used to still do. We would go, my wife and I, when we see a storm coming, we, we would stand outside and say, we command you in the name of Jesus, shift and don't land in this place. Y'all are right. <laughs> Rain, I command you to stop. Until I get to the house. That's what we did last week. We're walking. We're taking a walk. We're going from our neighborhood to somewhere else. And it started drizzling. It's about to rain. And Lindy looks up to, to, to the rain. And she goes, she goes uh, rain, I want you to stop until I get to the house. And I kid you not, the drizzles of water that we felt oh, just stopped. Just completely stopped. <laughs> Y'all looking at me like... <laughs> It's that kind of prayer that God wants us to have in our lives. You go in there and you stand in in a hospital room when Joshua had just come back from Iraq and he came out of his bed and the chemicals have affected his brain so much to the point that when he he came out of his bed and fell right on his head, they shuttled him to Vanderbilt. By the time I got to Vanderbilt and and, and were praying, and I, I want you to understand, Elijah was just a man like you are. We're all God's children. You with me? When I got there, the doctor looks at me and says, are you the preacher? I said, yes, sir. And Miss, Miss, Miss Kate is standing right here. She said, please tell him not to disconnect. By the time I made it from Martin to Nashville, by the time I got there, they already decided there's no brain activities. And, and the doctor want me to tell the parents to say goodbye because that's it. It's done. It's gone. There's nothing there. And, 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 and as simple as I know how, I looked at our doctor and I said, sir, would you mind if I just utter a prayer? He said, no problem. And I stood there. And I went you understand just a man like you are 
And I stood there and I asked every. And here's what I said. I said, is there anybody here that would, would, wouldn't mind if I pray? And there was a couple that said, we, we don't want to be here. I said, you can step out, sir. He did. He and his wife stepped out. I took my hands and put them on his feet. And I began praying. I said, God, I know it is your will to heal and to bless and to deliver in the name of Jesus. Give life where life is not. And Lord, if these praying activities can, can live again, receive all the glory from this prayer, God. And I prayed. And I tell you, a peace just rushed all over me. And, and, I, and I, know I did something I would never normally do. I just literally looked at Miss Kate. And I said, Miss Kate, I'm going back home. She said, Please don't leave, Pastor. I said, I, I, the Lord just gave me peace about it. I just left. I did something I'd never do. I received a call about 7 a.m. She said, they were going to disconnect. They're not disconnecting. Week and a half later, Joshua walked down the altar of our church. A young man still alive today. Does it happen that way every time? It doesn't happen that way every time. But there are times when God said, you can pray and let the power of God work through your prayers. Are you with me? You okay? Matter of fact, in chapter 18, in chapter 18, the servant couldn't understand what Elijah's doing. When Elijah began to pray again to call rain to come back, and, uh, and, 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 and he told the servant, he says, you go out and look over the ocean because over Mount Carmel, where Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal, 450 of them, over Mount Carmel, they're looking out into Galilee. They're looking out over the ocean as well. And, and he looks and he says, go because I prayed for the rain to come back. He prayed seven times. And the servant goes out and he says, I don't see anything, Elijah. And Elijah said, let's pray again. And let's pray again. And it was on the seventh time. He saw a cloud, the sound, I mean the size of his hand. Are you with me? Are you all okay? And watch this now. But the first time Elijah prayed, he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I haven't seen it, but I hear it. I haven't touched it, but I hear it. Are you with me? I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And it was the seventh time. That he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And then it got so bad, so rainy. The cloud just came in and rushed that Ahab got in his chariots and rushed all the way back to his palace. But Elijah, with the strength of God in him, outran the chariot. Why? Because when you're in the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit of God changes something in you. Are you with me? So first of all, Prayer is effective. The powerful prayer life of an individual comes out of the presence of God. The second principle I want to give you in the next few minutes that I have. The second principle that I want to give you. Prayer is defined by a spirit of thanksgiving. Prayer is defined by a spirit of thanksgiving. Are you with me? I want to, I want to, I want to share this with you. You know... You can never exaggerate the power of thanksgiving when things are not going your way. Jesus, our Lord, in Matthew chapter 26. He's, 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 it's the Lord's elements passage, 26, 26 and following. And our Lord Jesus is right there. And, and I want you to imagine, we always think that's the scripture for the Lord's Supper. Let's just take it and read it. But this, the context is way bigger. It's way bigger than that. Our Lord Jesus Christ is about to be betrayed by Judas. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ is about to be abandoned by the 11 disciples. Our Lord Jesus Christ is about to be facing the cross and take upon him the scourging and the punishment that no man could ever handle. Our Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross atoning for the sins of all mankind. Not just the sins of one person, but millions and billions of sin. The weightiness of sin was on our the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. He went to the cross. He knew he's about to go to the cross. He knew he's about to face all of it. He knew he's about to become sin that we may become the righteousness of God in him. He knew all of that is happening. And right before it happened, he prayed. He took the elements and he said, Father, I thank you. I thank you. He's on his way to trial and pain and tragedy and suffering. And he said, Father, I thank you. Can you imagine the power of a thanksgiving prayer? In the midst of heartache and pain, Father, I just thank you. What an amazing scripture. Philippians 4 said, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer, supplication, Thanksgiving. The power of, a, of, of praying with a thankful heart. That's what he said in verse 8. He says, whatever is true, that means whatever is truthful, because truth will set you free. Whatever is noble of excellence, of moral excellency. He says, these things that I'm giving you, let your mind settle on the things that are perfect and holy in the presence of Almighty God. And God, this is just a journey and we're passing through. And I just want to thank you. Praying a prayer of thanksgiving. A powerful, effective prayer life comes out of the presence of God. It comes out of a spirit of thanksgiving. And then thirdly and lastly, a powerful, effective prayer life is saturated with the peace of God. It's saturated with the peace of God. Let me just go back to it in here so we can close. He says in Philippians chapter 4, listen to what he said. He says, don't worry, verse 6, about anything, but in everything, through prayer and, and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Watch this now. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See that word guard? That's a militant form in here. The word guard, it's like a soldier guarding your heart and your mind. It's something guarding your heart and your mind. When you pray, that's why I said it's the channel that takes you all the way to glory. Listen, prayer is the only avenue where the Spirit of God takes us into the presence of God and the enemy cannot interfere with that. Why? Because the Spirit of God guards our minds. When we pray, he said, you pray and the peace of God will guard your mind and your heart. In the heart is where all the decisions are made, not in the mind. The man confesses with his mouth but believes in his heart. He says, out of the heart the issues of life comes. Trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Are you with me? So it's out of your heart. And so here's what he's saying. He's basically saying the peace of God will guard your mind when you pray. And the peace of God will begin to empower you to pray. You say, Fadi, how does the peace of God come into my life when I begin to develop a prayer life? Watch this now. I'm going to give you three things. Number one. Number one. You need to make time 
to sit in the presence of God so you can enjoy fellowship with God and a prayer with God. Now, I understand we pray in the car. I understand we pray in the church as part of the service. I understand we do a lot of things when we pray. But number one, number one, you need to take time to get away with the Father and sit in His presence. And I mean you carve out time. You're busy, aren't you? So you say, funny, well, I'm, I'm going to take my phone into the prayer court. Can you leave your phone out. Any disruption, leave it out. Just leave it all out and go into the presence of God because you're not going to hear His voice when there are distractions there. When I started pastoring, I made up a covenant with the Lord that I've learned from W.A. Criswell, First Baptist Dallas, who lived years ago. And that is... Early in the morning hours, I'll get to the office about 6 a.m. When I'm there between 6 and 10, with an uninterrupted time, it's my time with the Word of God. And it's my time in the presence of God. I want to hear Him. I don't want to preach principal sermons. I want to preach out of the overflow of my life. I need a time with God. Now, I could be interrupted for emergencies, but I want to be not disrupted when I am in the presence of the Lord. So I could hear Him, and I could understand Him, and I could see His will. I could read His Word clearly, and I could imagine, God, here's what you want me to pray. And when I prayed, I prayed not out of presumption, but I was praying what God wants me to pray, whether it be His promises, principles, or the words that God utters through my mouth. Right? It's number one. You've got to make time to separate yourself to God. Here's what people say. Finally, I'm too busy. I don't think I can do that. Make happen what you need to make happen. Free up your time to pray. Your family is tied to it. Your job is tied to it. Your business is tied to it. The future generations are tied to it. Number two. You not only need to separate yourself in a time with God. Number two, you need to train yourself to hear the voice of God. How do we do that? By reading the Word of God and understand His desires, His heart, His mind, His soul. How He spoke and how He's speaking. It's all in here. I'm going to learn about His passions from His Word. So I learned to hear the voice of God. Okay. Okay. And then the last thing that I want you to understand, I not only hear voice, the voice of God, separate myself to God, I need to pray kingdom prayers. What does that mean, kingdom prayers? Kingdom prayers. It means not everything I pray about is all about needs. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy, honorable is your name. Kingdom prayers. It's about God's agenda in the earth. It's about God's life in me. It's about God call through me. It's about things that God wants to establish in the earth. Will he want to meet my need? Of course he would. But there are times when I am in prayer not because I have a need with God. There are times because I'm co-laboring with the Father in the earth while I'm passing through to be part of what He's releasing into the earth. And my prayers are being released into the earth. When I'm driving from Spring Hill to get here, when I'm sometimes in my car and I'm around and I'm praying, I am literally releasing God's kingdom in my prayers as I get to the church. Not everything I'm praying about is about my needs. There's kingdom perspective. So three things that I gave you this morning to establish an effective prayer life. Number one, 
An effective prayer life comes out of the presence of God. Number two, an effective prayer life has a spirit of thanksgiving that that literally, regardless of what's happening, I'm in the posture of thanksgiving. And number three, I am saturated with the peace of God as I enter that prayer life because that is the time when I'm able to hear Him and His peace will guard my mind and heart. And so I need to make time for prayer life. That's important in the life of the believer. Tied to that, your maturity, your future, your intimacy with God. Tied to that, the future of your children, a future generation. Would you bow your head with me, please? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus today that you would teach us something. You would take us deeper. You would remind us, Lord, that we are your ambassadors and agents in this earth. You will accomplish through your servants, just like Elijah, what you choose to accomplish. So lead us to your presence. Lead us to the place of thanksgiving. Lead us to the place of peace. And let us come out with your command and with your confessions into the earth. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to know Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, you pray out of your heart, Father, I want to be your child. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? Come into my life. Save me, change me. And lead me to a mature, faith-built relationship with you. In Jesus' name.